We're continuing on our series on dynamics of destiny relationships. This is a, a really um, important time. The Lord's really been challenging me about, about teachings, um, specifically in the area of marriage. He, there were things that he had really taught me that um, he said, um, we talked about it last, um, I think it was two weeks ago, that uh, we wanted to keep coming up the ramp. And the ramp says that you have a revelation, but just because you have a revelation doesn't mean it's time for you to make a proclamation on it. That uh, you go from revelation and then you go into activation in your own life. The activation, you should walk out to the point that you have manifestation. Yep, it's an acrostic again. And then you have proclamation. And then you have fruit of the teachings that you're telling others to do. Uh, because one of the realities is that um, we teach and we use our, our lives are, are intended to be examples of the word. So that if people don't necessarily hear all your teachings, if they actually start walking and watching your life, then they would know the things that you're teaching about. Somebody say amen. All right, so um, you guys know that um, uh, because we're in the midst of teaching on marriage, um, precept and example, I've talked some, um, and then that weekend when we had, uh, after I had taught last time, we did the, I did a birthday celebration for my darling bride, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And um, I, I made the statement that, um, that uh, if I didn't get it right, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And um, it's not that uh, she's gnashing, it's just that I understand the importance that God gives um, as a husband on making sure that you honor the gift that he gave you, amen? And, um, and all of that was examples of things that I wanted to, to really uh, talk about. But, but there's also uh, some things that I want to say on the other side of it, um, because I did get some feedback from some of the brothers. They're like, man, uh, I had one brother say, if you did this at 50, what you going to do at the next one? What you going to do at 60? How you going to take this up? I'm like, man, God's got grace. He gonna, I'm going to have some more insight when I get there. I don't need it now. I got 10 years. <laughs> right? So... Um, but I want to make sure that people come out of that with the right perspective because you, um, you know, Jesus did a bunch of things and then people saw the miracles and then he took his disciples to explain to him why and how he did what he did. It said, it said of, it was said in Moses day that the church, that Moses knew the ways of God, the children of Israel only knew the acts. So they knew what he did, but they didn't really know why. And so in this time, I want to make sure that people come away with the right takeaways from an event like that. And so we'll deal with some of that today. And then today I'm going to talk some, um, there's some, there's some pieces that the Lord wants me to give from the perspective of the husband that I'm really 
kind of hammering in on it. Um, uh, because when I come to the wife and I really start, because I'm going to deal with that headship thing. I'm going to really deal with it. I'm going to deal with it. What does the Bible say about submission? I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to go right there. I'm going to deal with the stuff that people don't want to deal with. But I want to have dealt with the men first, and I want to have dealt with them the way that the Bible says. Because if you get a man doing that, then the other part gets real easy. Okay? It's because people have who haven't taken on their responsibility start to tell the women their responsibility. Then it got it kind of got kind of crazy. You know? Um, and so... Uh, I'm going to deal with some of the harder things in scripture and I'm going to really deal with them, but I'm going to make sure that uh, you come out of this and everybody feels liberated. Nobody feels in bondage because nothing there's, there's nothing in scripture that is intended to put somebody in bondage. I mean, come on now. The whole thing about the anointing, according to, Isaiah 10, 27, is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. Now, even um, if you're going to walk with God, um, there is a burden and a yoke. Because Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Doesn't mean you don't have something that's, that restrains you. It said, but the restraint shouldn't be something that makes you feel like it's just a ball and chain. Somebody say amen. Okay, so our objectives, four objectives um, for this series, and I'm going to just do a, some quick review and get to, to the, some new content. Number one is to illuminate the basic power of relationships, especially relationships that are developed for the purpose of glorifying God. Two, to elaborate on the love connection as the key to empowering relationships, the principles upon which relationships consist and by which they are maintained and enhanced. And my statement is... Um, and I really tr I'm really trying to model that um, in a way that both gives people inspiration but doesn't make it seem so far off that, oh, man, they just do this and that can't be nobody else but them. I want to make sure that it's critical uh, um, that we talk about the fact that we should be in, in the kingdom, we should be in faith that our relationships go from glory to glory, from faith to faith. We shouldn't just say we're going to settle for staying married. Um, I remember some of Apostle's teachings on marriage. He said, some people are not married. They're just shacking with a license. You, you understand that? Shacking with a license. Like, they're just, they're living together, but it's not together. And so we are working to apply the force of faith, apply the force of prayer, apply the force of agreement to make sure that at whatever level we are now, that we'll go from that level to something even greater. And we're also applying faith if you are single, um, that you can be successful at that, that's the season in your life. If it's, you know, some people, this is what they want and that's okay, right? I know that there are, there's a culture in churches that make people feel bad because they don't, they done and they okay with being by themselves. And the Bible doesn't do that. So I don't think the church should do that. Does that make sense? Some people, <laughs> 
you saw my other mother, man. She stepped up there next to Lady Nedra and was, man, she's like, listen, I am done. Okay. <laughs> she, she was very clear to me. She ain't, she ain't looking to be found. She done. Okay. And if she, that's where she is, she is. But if somebody isn't, then there's nothing wrong with you believing and, and trusting God and, and seeking God to do something for you. Now, in the age that we live in, um, if, you, if you're seeking God and you're single, you need to put some prayer and some faith on it. It's just too much stuff going around these days. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You don't, you know, <laughs> you don't want to be, you know, trying to marry a Boaz and find out that, you know, he was born a Ruth. <laughs> I'm just saying stuff, stuff changes. I'm just saying, I mean, in the age we live in, you know what I'm saying? I'm just, you know, things can change. I mean, people are doing stuff and you, you know, uh, I was asked the question, what happens, you know, cause pastors got to think through what situations are going to come. What's, what happens on the first time somebody come in your office and say, and the lady said, I want to marry this man, but I used to be one. I mean, you can't say that it's not, it's, it's ha you can't say that's not coming. Right? So we have to go through all of the scenarios. What, <laughs> what are all the things we could come to? That day's coming, y'all. So, so if you're single in the 21st century and you, and you want to be married, you need to be praying and fasting. Getting all the agreement, getting the angels, looking for two fleeces, <laughs> looking, looking for the Holy Ghost, looking, looking for Michael, Gabriel, and all of them ones you don't even know what their name is to come and tell you this is the right one. I'm just saying. It's just, it's just we need to have all of our faith and everything online for this because of the day that we live in. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, number three, to differentiate the various types of spiritual, natural, and social relationships and their purpose from God's perspective. And four, to motivate you to be more intentional in your relational roles at every level for relational success. So I have some scriptures there. Go ahead, Brother John. Um, all right. So we, had, we went through last time Philippians uh, 1 through 11. Um, go on to the next one. I just really wanted to come down to this five, six, and seven. And it said that um, verse six says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, even as it is righteous for me to think this of you, because um, I have you in my heart, and as much as both in my bonds and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of my grace. And so the Lord really said, hey, I want you to, Pastor David, be very intentional that there's a grace on your life. God taught you about a grace to be married. You've walked in it long enough that you can preach it now. But before that, you also, I taught you some things about the grace to be single and not, you know, have a trail of tears in the church. Because, I mean, I'm just saying there's a lot of preachers, preachers with trails of tears in the church. In Jesus' name, okay? And so um, we talked about grace that is God's redemptive ability um, to, to cancel errors and to create 
excellence. All right, go on to the next one, Brother John, scripture-wise. I'm sorry, hallelujah. All right, um, I think I had John 117. Is that right, sister? Um, John 117 says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We talked about that God deals with different people, with people at different times in different ways. The D word we use for that is dispensations. The dispensation we have today is grace and truth, according to John chapter one, right? Now, um, there's, a, there's a lot of people that want a lot of grace with no truth. They want a lot of grace. They just don't want somebody to start checking them with the truth. Because then you start telling them truth, they think, they say you hating on them. You know, I was watching Fox News. I was in LA Fitness, other, um, you did, it must have been Monday. And uh, I was there on the treadmill doing my thing. Yeah, it was Monday, it was yesterday. On the treadmill doing my thing. And then I was watching Fox News in Detroit, and they was talking about a church in Detroit where they were all upset, all up in arms because this church had a ministry to people that was coming out of alternative gender identities. Oh, man. So everybody's saying, nah, you, you telling me you hate me because they trying to help you? I'm like, you know. If you don't want to go to that church, don't go to that church. You don't want to go to that ministry, don't go to that ministry. But it was like the whole community was coming up in arms because people want grace without the truth. Okay? So our dispensation is one full of grace and truth. And so we, as we deal with these things, we're going to deal with it from a grace and truth perspective. All right? Um, and then I have a statement here about uh, a key statement, right? that there is a grace to be either magnificently married or successfully single, that, this is, that there is a grace for it, all right? And so one of the things that I really wanted to make sure, um, Pastor David wanted to make sure that people didn't come out of an event and seeing what I did in terms of appreciating my wife and saying, well, I can't do that. Because see, husbands, I'm just telling you, men, men have a certain kind of mindset. And it's a mindset God gave us. It's not a bad mindset. It's the way God made it. We have a certain ego. We have a certain way we think. We have a certain way that we compete. We're always sizing ourselves up and sizing people up. And huh, does he really, you know? All right. And so some, some brothers would come out of that. You know, I heard something like, Lord, man, you done made it hard for the rest of us. <laughs> okay. And so, and then some of them will say, well, all of the stuff you did, I can't do. And I'm not, I said, you shouldn't be trying to do, I use the gifts God gave me to appreciate the wife God gave me. You got to use the gifts God gave you to appreciate the wife God gave you. Does that make sense? Okay, now, um, as we said in one of our previous lessons, what we said is, uh, Every household is two unique individuals becoming one. And because those two unique parts, those two unique individuals come become a one unique whole. So each and every household, there's some common principles, but there still is the creativity of God and how you do what you do. 
So some of what I did last night, you might not even like, and that's okay. You know what I'm saying? What I did for her, I knew what she would like. And so, you know, I wanted everybody else to enjoy it, but if they didn't, there was one person that I wanted to be sure was happy. So when I asked, okay, you know, is it, are you having a good time? Praise God. If you weren't, I wasn't, I wasn't going to like, you know, stop what I was doing, but I wanted everybody because we wanted the fellowship, but I wanted to make sure that there was one person that was really happy. Okay. So what I'm looking for is that in part of the grace to be married, if you, if God has called you into marriage, part of the grace is, is to do things that stretch you out of your comfort zone, but are pleasing to the spouse God gave you. All right? So if you don't like flowers, but she do, brother, you better find out what that florist is. I'm just saying, right? You don't, you don't, you know, chocolates ain't a big deal to you, but she like them. You better find out where the good chocolate makers are, right? She like to shop and you don't. Lord Jesus, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Okay, you better get used to going to the malls. I'm just saying, okay? Because part of the grace to do this thing is to do things that please the other person. Okay? And so... Um, so many times what happens is we want our partner to be satisfied with what we're satisfied with. Okay? It ain't a big deal to me, so it shouldn't be a big deal to you. Now, that's not how that works. <laughs> it's not how it works. <laughs> you, know, you know, that's not how that works. So when you signed up, you signed up to be pleasing to this other person. And God has a grace for you to do things that are uncomfortable to you that'll make them absolutely happy. That means, remember the Apostle Paul said, came, I had the storm, asked God to move. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. This is an assignment I've given you my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so there are things that you're not comfortable with, and God's going to tell you, I mean, listen, it's not cool for you just to be like, like every night she want to talk, and then you just saying, I got to watch TV. Not like every night? I mean, for real? Like every night? Like no nights we can have a, a conversation? Like no time? No. <laughs> I mean, she want she want to talk. She want to get in. She want to get in her feelings, bro. You got to get in your feelings, okay? <laughs> we have a good audience participation in this class, in Jesus' name. All right. So there are seven key points that I have from 1 Corinthians 7 and 1 Peter 3, 7, because those were the scriptures that we used. So I'm just, this is just review from our class on the 23rd, all right? And you can see this online as well. Um, so if you, if you weren't here, definitely go back and watch that one. Um, but here's the key points I'm summarizing. Number one is there is a grace gift to be married and a grace gift to be single. 
the Apostle Paul almost used the same word that he would use to describe somebody that was ordained in ministry. Like, from my perspective, husband is a spiritual and a natural office as much as pastor is an office. Okay. Now, Pastor David, why is that important? Because when I think about God calling me to be a pastor, I don't believe that God called me because I'm qualified. I believe God qualified me because I was called. So there's grace that goes with the office, and then I do the things by faith to access that grace, and then I step into something, and there's an empowerment where God puts his super on my natural to do something that I couldn't do in my own power. I still, I think that's true for a husband. I think God supernaturally empowers me to love my wife because he holds me accountable. He told me to love her like Christ loved the church. I can't do that in my own flesh. I'm too selfish. Ain't no husband saying amen, but that's the truth. That's the truth. Listen, if the standard of my love for my wife has to be how Christ loved the church, he's going to love, he gonna have to love her through me. Because I just had too many bad days to, to be as consistent as he was in my flesh. So that's why I'm saying there is a grace gift. There's an empowerment that comes from God for you to do the natural things. And that grace gift, just like I can grow in the grace and knowledge of God in my assignment as a pastor, I can grow as a husband. So however I start doesn't have to be how I finish. And the mistakes of my past don't have to be repeated in my future. Because there's grace available to me. Does that make sense? Okay. So there's a grace um, to be married and there's a grace gift to be single. Yes, yes. I know your hormones are moaning, but there's a grace to say no. You don't have to say God gonna understand. Because some people say that. Oh, he understand. I got needs. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, the Apostle Paul talked about it in 1 Corinthians 7 as if he had a grace to be single. Right? And that that grace will keep everything like nothing's broke. People think you got to be something's broke and then you'll be all right. No, no, you, you ain't nothing got to be broke. All right? Now, um, there are certain things that I do and I won't do to walk in the grace to be married. Okay. Um, when I was single, I had a coworker say, hey, man, you know, um, now these were his words. This is not my terminology, but I'm just going to say it the way he said it. I'm not trying to offend nobody. He said, I want to take you to a titty bar. A what bar? First of all, I don't bar anyway. Now, he was married, and I'm like, I wasn't even married, but you was. And I'm like, why would you need to go there if you got your own set at home? <laughs> I'm just saying. I ain't mad at nobody. I'm just saying, like, like for me, that, that certainly wouldn't help me with the grace to be single, but that, that ain't helping you with the grace to stay married. I'm just saying. So there's grace 
that goes in there, but there's things you got to do to walk in that grace. If you're going to maintain the grace to be single, you can't be up in some other opposite sex face all the time. You can't, you know what I'm saying? You can't do that. I'm, you know, there's certain things that will kick in. Biology take over. It's, it was designed for that. It wasn't, it's not like something's broke neither. It's just saying everything's working right. That's why the Bible says there is a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Everything is beautiful in this time. That means if I do the right thing at the wrong time, it's ugly. Okay? So if I'm going to maintain a grace to be single, that's some stuff I couldn't do. You know, and I had accountability partners. Bruh, 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 we got to talk. And, and my accountability partners would make sure that I understood, okay, here's where I am, and it's getting tight right through here. Okay? And when those things were happening, okay, I had somebody that held me accountable to make sure I didn't go off the rails and then jack up the church and jack up my ministry. Okay? Talking about the grace to be single. Number two, either grace must be received and walked in by faith. If you're going to walk in marriage grace, you're going to have to walk in it by faith. You're going to walk in grace to be single, you're going to have to walk in it by faith because every grace is received by faith. Three, when you walk in the grace to be single, you have a grace to please the, please the Lord primarily. He says the person who is single gets dedicated to just pleasing God, right? That's what it means to have a grace to be single, okay? So tell me, you can have friends, man, but, you know, you, you don't have the grace to have your life re resolve, revolve around some other person like I do. So don't try to rush into that too soon. Right? There's a, there's a day for that. Believe me, you want to have gotten all of the single stuff out when, you know what, I don't have like, you know, I, I call it a man cave, but I'm just joking. I'm just joking. She says it's a family cave. It's not a man cave. You don't have something. And I don't think that there's like, you know, like my phone, I, you can't look in this. No, no, no. I gave the rights to just, no, you can know everywhere I am. Because the wife has power over the husband's body. That's what Paul was saying. So I don't think I have something where, you know, now you may call me and catch me where I'm in the middle of something and I can't talk, but it's not like it's secret and you can't know it. Hear the difference? You know, I might be at work handling business, and then she call, and I'm like, you know. I mean, fortunately, she's an engineer, so she knows this time she's handling business, and she can't take my call neither. But it's not like there's something so secret you can't, you can't, you can't get on. Child, please. Yeah, look at my phone. Know everything that's there. Go through my Facebook feed. Yep, mm-hmm, go through all of it. I want you to know all of it. See who's liking. See who's tweeting. Know it all. You, you, got, you got the dip card to all of it. You paid the cost. I'm 100% accountable. Now, when you single, child, please, I got my space. You need to get out of it. You know, you can't be trying to, you ain't paid no cost to be the boss, and then you think you, you're supposed to know everything I'm doing. No, you don't. They married you. Stop that. Stop trying to be married before you married. Because people who do all of that stuff playing like it, 
when they single, when it comes time for them to really do it, they don't even want to do it. They be the main one saying, I want my own space because I didn't get my me time. No, you just jacked up the time that you were single, and now you want to drag that into being married. So don't rush. Don't rush. It's, you know, pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. You'll get there soon enough. And when you get there, then you're not there wishing you was because you didn't get it all out, you know. You know, you married and didn't just want to have a single vacation. Stop it. Stop. Stop. You should have took care of that when you were single. You, you see what I'm saying? So part of this thing is live in the skin you're in right now so that when it's time to go on to the next thing, you're not trying to get the other thing on the rebound. Right? Like kids that want to be grown too soon, and then when they get grown, they want to act like kids. Like, don't rush. All the responsibility. I can't wait till I get grown. Nah, just hold that thought, right? Just file that one. File that one right there, and then come back and see me in about 10 to 15 years. Then you'd be singing, I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. All right. So there's a grace to please the Lord primarily. Number four, when you are walking in the grace to be married, you have a grace to please your spouse. All right. God empowers me to do things that I wouldn't normally do to make the bride that he gave me happy. And vice versa, right? And so you have to be sensitive that, God, I'm asking you if that grace exists, and then I don't, I don't feel like it's working for me, then I approach the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in my time of need. Now I can go to God and say, this grace is out there, and it's not quite flowing me, I need some mercy, and I need you to give me some grace because we need some help, okay? And then if you acknowledge that like that, then grace will flow in your direction, okay? Um, that was number four. Number five, the grace to be married means you must be unified and walk in honor or your prayers will, are hindered. Six, there's a grace to overcome the trials of your of your past, there is a grace to enjoy where you are right now. So, um, by grace you're saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. So there's a grace to overcome the all of the stuff. Because see, what happens in marriage sometimes is it's hard for us to go forward because all of the pictures of the past stay they stay in the forefront, right? Um, you know, one of the things that I challenge people to do is um, sometimes I try to get them to remember before there was problems. What did you like when y'all first was really, you know, when you liked it all the time? Before, like, having these long conversations became a problem. You know, because when they were single, man, you know, <laughs> if all you can do is talk, you want to talk all the time. I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> But then after a while, you're like, okay, now to move past that. And then, and then, and there's all these things that happen in the meantime. And so you got to really recognize that there's a grace 
God has a grace to wipe away and forgive, and that same grace is available to us. Jesus won that grace on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. All right. So there's a grace to overcome the trials of your past. There's a grace to enjoy where you are right now. Seven, if you are sensing the grace for singleness is lifting and you are in the relationship age and stage, go ahead and marry. But understand that trouble comes with marriage. It's not separate. Okay. So that's a key point is that he said, hey, you know, if a woman has passed the flower of her age and need required, then let them marry. He's saying, hey, you start in a sense, you know, you're old enough and you've done all of the preparation stuff, then you can get married. But one of my challenges with youth and young adult ministry is, y'all, you ain't even far enough to do nothing. And y'all all up in each other's grill. You understand why I'm going to say that? And so you can't, you can't, you can barely take care of yourself, let alone creating some new life of a child, y'all need to pump the brakes and stay far enough away because you're not, you're, not, you're not capable of going to the next level or taking it to the next stage anyway. And you're at, the, you're at prime time for preparation, right? And what happens is people miss their prime time for preparation and then now they're trying to change the tires at 60 miles an hour because they're already in it and then they're trying to get all of their preparation stuff. But it's hard to change them tires, man, when you're going 60. I'm just saying. You know, there's grace out there, but you took the hard, you're going to take the long, hard road. It's going to be painful. Okay, because you didn't prepare at the time that God gave you preparation time. Okay. And so... Um, that those are key points that we wanted to know from there. I got some, I think I got some pictures here. Why don't you share my pictures? Because one of the things that, yeah, you see that picture there? Um, that's Lady Nedra. We, we were on our honeymoon. We were uh, over the jungles of, was it Roatan? Roatan in Honduras. And she's ziplining. See that smile on her face? Um, see how happy she is? Right? There's grace for you to do things that please your spouse, even if it doesn't please you. Not show mine, show mine, show mine, show mine. <laughs> you see that smile she have? I don't have a smile on my face. I am not smiling. What, if you ask me, what, Pastor David, what you doing? I'm quoting Psalm 91 because I'm not having a good time at all. I am not enjoying myself one bit. This is not fun. I'm not having excitement. She was smiling all of the way. I'm saying I dwell in the secret place of the Most High, abiding under the shadow of Almighty. And it seemed like every time we would come up to the tower, you know, the tower was so, um, it, it was so narrow that I felt like I was going to bang my feet every time I came in. So she came in all zipping right in, and then they would just grab her. I just felt like I needed to come in on the side and lift my legs up so I didn't hurt myself. That was not enjoyable to me at all. Oh, my goodness. But I believe that there's a grace to do things that please your spouse, 
when it doesn't please you. I, I'm <laughs> okay. <laughs> that audience participation again. Okay. So the key point in this is, Pastor David, uh, are you saying we got to go zip lining? Not, not unless your spouse wants you to. In Jesus' name, yours don't. She cool on the ground. Just thank Jesus and stay on the ground with her. Okay. My statement here, the key point is be careful when you sign up, you're signing up that I'm going to stretch myself in ways that please the other. Okay, does that, is that clear? Be okay with that. If you're not willing to stretch yourself to please somebody else, then you should stay single. Okay? All right. So... You know, one of one of one of my um, things that um, I'm, I deal with uh, when I'm dealing with singles, and particularly with singles in men, because that that was the circle that I was running in, is what are the things that you need to know to be single? Um, um, what are preparation areas that you should work on? These are good for married people, but they're absolutely. I feel like. There's a lot of times when singles should be preparing that they, they're spending time trying to, trying to court when they, they're not even really ready to date. <laughs> court means I'm ready to try to you know, consummate the deal. I'm mature enough. I got enough of my life in order. And then it's cool to want to be with somebody. I get all of that, right? I'm glad you're clear on, you know, what sex you are and what sex you should like. That's a good thing. Hey, you know what I'm saying? In the 21st century, that's, that's a huge deal. You know, if I was on Facebook, I would like it and put my thumbs up. That's cool. But I also want you not to rush past things that you should be spending your time on now because spending all your time in somebody's face is not the same thing as being prepared to close the deal with them. And so there's five areas here, five aspects of preparation that I want to talk you through today. Five aspects of preparation for marriage. A lot of this is, not all of it, but some of it's um, specifically from the male point of view. Um, at least one, at least one of them is one or two of them. Um, and so I want to just talk you through these. So these five areas, one is spiritual maturity. Two is alignment with the house and the move of God. Three is management of your physical body. Four is career management. And five is financial stewardship. So we're going to deal with each one of those. That when I think about marriage, I, I, these are the areas that God gave me when I was single. said, David, I need you to work on these. Every, every minute that you spend getting this together will make, will make what comes later better. Every time, every area of this that is mismanaged in your future relationship, there are going to be more weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, in marriage, he said there's, there's trouble in the flesh just because of, you know, the ups and downs of the world and so on and things happen. But we don't want to create problems because we didn't take the proper preparation time and preparation steps. Amen? All right. So let's. We'll come back to this, so if you don't get them all down, I just want to have you have, look at the list, and this list will come back up. But let's look at a scripture here, 1 Timothy chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. 
And that's, that's, this is dealing with the first one, which is spiritual maturity. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 5, okay? And it says, now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with the hot iron. Now watch, watch this, number three, forbidding to marry, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from foods or meats, um, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. By those who believe and know the truth. Not just believers. Because marriage was for those who believe and know the truth. There's a certain level of experiential maturity that they have. They're not just forgiven, they're delivered. Okay. Now, imagine I'm, if I had that experience with a coworker, and then I was, I was a believer, so I knew it was wrong, but I hadn't had some, I hadn't conquered my flesh, so he was taking me out places. That could have damaged all kinds of future relationships, because you get that stuff in your head, you take that stuff into your marriage with you, you, don't, you scheduling problems. You scheduling future problems, right? So this, this passage of scripture says marriage is for those that believe and know the truth. Verse 4, for every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So, Pastor David, what does this have to do with spiritual maturity? It says, first of all, I'm not just a believer. I'm a believer who has walking knowledge of truth. Okay. I'm a believer that knows the truth, right? I believe it, but I've lived enough of it that there is a track record of walking and obeying truth in my life. That's what we mean when it says know the truth. It doesn't just mean um, I know where it is in the Bible. It means I've walked out truth in my life. Then it says that this creation called marriage um, has to be received with thanksgiving and that my marriage must be set apart from the world system. That's what sanctified means, right? Because some people think, you know, like, hey, you about to get married tomorrow. We're going to have a bachelor party. No, no. All we having is chips and dip and some brothers. No, no. We can have a cake, but nobody's popping out of it. Okay, my marriage has to be set apart from that. Some people say that's okay if we do all of this stuff with some other person on Friday night and then tell the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with oh, I do on Saturday morning. That's not good. The, the word doesn't support that. Okay, so I have to be a person who sets apart my marriage through the word of God and prayer. So I, I should be spending a lot of time praying. A lot of time praying about my marriage. A lot of time in the word of God. Looking at the same scriptures over and over again about my marriage. Because my marriage gets set apart from the world through the word of God and prayer. 
because I believe it and walk out this truth to the point that I know it, and I'm thankful about it too. I'm mad at God because I got to come home instead of going to the movies and hanging out with my boys. I'm mad because I got to get up and go to work. Them kids got to eat. I'm mad at God. You see what I'm saying? I'm, I receive it with thanksgiving. Right? I'm not upset because I got to shovel snow and cut grass, take out garbage, cook and clean. Right? Wash clothes. Shouldn't be mad about it. Right? That's an area of spiritual maturity. Now, if you don't get that right before you get married, then in marriage counseling, we're going to have to tell you why you need to be okay with doing the things that go with being married. So we'll have to spend time convincing you that, yeah, man, you got to go home. <laughs> this sound, it almost sounds funny, but it, it would be funny if I hadn't had to tell people this stuff. I'm just saying. And I'm like, dude, what did you think you were signing up for? See, this is what I, this bothers me when I'm like, what did you think it was? Did, did, did you think she, she, she wasn't going to get older? Did you think she wasn't going to stretch out? Listen, bruh, you started out with a six-pack. Now you got a three-liter. Stop. Stop it. You understand what I'm saying? I get, I get bothered because people, they, they, have past, they have lost the basics of spiritual maturity. Somebody didn't like it when I said it. Somebody commented on Facebook. But when I went, when I... Uh, When Nedra and I were, were at, we were courting. I went to the St. Louis and to her family reunion, and I looked at how all the old women were. Because if all you want is one, you want to get a, see how to, you want to know how they're going to age. I'm just saying. And they was all old and nice, and they look good. And I was like, yeah. Because some people, they look at how the sister look now, and she's not going to stay the same. I don't care. You can nip and tuck all you want to. It's not staying the same. <laughs> and, and I see some of these, these stars and stuff, and then they don't even look like they're the same person. They done, they done cut on themselves so much, they don't even look like they're human. Some of them just they don't even look like a person to me. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. But if... If your goal is that this is the one for my lifetime, then you're not just looking at how she look at when she's 25. I, I just wanted to know, man, you know, Nedra, you know, and her family, they don't get, like all the old women were nice. They were, none of them was like old and mean. Like I spent time with the old ladies, just, hi, how you doing? They were so, it was all nice and friendly. I was like, praise the Lord, hallelujah. <laughs> I'm just saying, when you only want one, what you look at changes. I ain't tell you, you got to do it the way I do it. I'm just telling you how I did it. Okay, all right, you know, that's bubblegum gospel. Do with it what you want. <laughs> if you want to spit it out, then, you know, you go for you. All right. 
So God, God's expectation is that you as a believer should not just be saved, but have experiential knowledge of the truth. I believe that marriage, if we go back to the, what Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about proving the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God, good being 30-fold, acceptable 60-fold, perfect 100-fold, you should at least be 60-fold in your life. You shouldn't just be a new believer, just got saved today and want to get married tomorrow. It wasn't designed for that. It was for, according to 1 Timothy 4, for believers who know the truth, who can sanctify or set it apart from the world through the word of God and prayer and receive it and walk in it with thanksgiving. Good, bad, or ugly, right? That's what God's intention was. Okay, so that was number one. Number two, um, back on our list was alignment with the house and the move of God. Alignment with the house and the move of God. So we have a couple scriptures on this one. This is 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4, and then I'm going to read Exodus chapter 33, 7 through 10. So alignment with the house and the move of God. All right. Um, so, Pastor Dave, what do you mean by that? What does this scripture talk about? 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4 says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now, verse, verse 2, <clears throat> verse 2 is uh, the key verse here that I want to talk about, and it says that they were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All right, and so um, the baptism of Moses talked about a, a specific connection that the people had with their leader, with their spiritual leader, with the, with the move of God at a corporate level, okay? Some people want to be saved and head of their house, but then their house is not aligned with God's house, Okay? And so what I'm saying is part of the flow is that you want to, the baptism of Moses in the cloud, remember it was a cloud that led them by day that turned into a pillar by night. So that talked about God leading the corporate house and each house was to be in line with it because when the cloud moved, they picked up their tent and moved with the cloud. Got it? So that's what I mean when I say alignment with the house of God and the move of God. Because alignment, um, if we're doing it right, alignment starts here and then goes to your house. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, if the church go down, your house should go down. I'm just saying if we're doing it right and I'm praying and hearing God, then I should be like Moses was leading them. Each house should be like, no, nah, Moses is in line with God, we hearing, we see in the cloud, and we're going to move with him. So that baptism in the Moses in the cloud means that the cloud was giving them guidance. The sea was, remember, they came through the Red Sea, right? And they, they got delivered. So the, it's not only just moving with God, but sometimes your house should get delivered from what's facing you because the church is getting delivered as a whole. 
right? So one of the things, that's one of the reasons why um, I'm preaching on marriage is because I'm believing that every household in Destiny Generation Church is going to get delivered through whatever their marital problems are in Jesus' name all together because we're going to get baptized through the sea just like Moses did because when they got through there, Pharaoh didn't mess with none of them no more. Nobody got left behind. All of them came out, and there was no sick or feeble among them, and all of them came out with silver and gold. Yep, I'm expecting that we're going to get through this thing, and everybody's money going to get fixed in Jesus' name. Everybody's money's going to fix. Everybody's marriage is going to get fixed. Yep, we're going to all come out together in Jesus' name. Yep, I'm saying it. Because if Moses hadn't stood up and said it, it wouldn't have happened. Alignment with the house and the move of God. Now let's look at it in Exodus 33, 7 through 10. This is a part of the, Pastor David, why did you start a prayer move in the church and you started specifically with the men? Okay, well, let's just look at what Moses did. And then you'll understand. All right. Um, John, why don't you get this one in the King James? Exodus 33, 7 through 10. Okay. Verse 7 says, And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out, from the, went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. So every man, Moses would go into the house of God and every man stood up. And as long as he was in there, the men were standing up saying, we're waiting for him to come out and give us instructions for our house. So there's times when I'm in here. Now, I never really explain why I did what I did, but there's times I will be on my knees in Men of Destiny, and I have all the men stand praying. Now, that's why I do it. I, I had never showed them this scripture, but this is why that I do it the way I'm doing it. Because I want them to get comfortable that their, that their man of God is going to hear God for the house of God and give them instructions that they can take back to their tent. And then they can say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. All right? Um, verse 8, it came to pass, they stood until Moses, until after he had gone into the tabernacle. Verse 9, and it came to pass, as Moses entered the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended, and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses, and all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle of the door, and the people rose up and worshiped every man in his tent door. Now, I want, I want men to be clear about this. Here's, here's ideally how it's supposed to work. You don't wait until you get married to try to figure out can you hear God? <laughs> right? You don't wait till you're in the driver's seat to figure out, can you drive? You're moving too fast. If you mess it up, you're going to crash and hurt somebody. So you want to make sure 
you know, your license is all, or your registrations are all up to date before you get behind the wheel and start driving a family along. So I'm teaching young men, I'm teaching men in general, man, you better know how to hear God before you tell her to follow you. Make sure you know how to follow God. And then make sure you know how to hear what's going in the house of God so that you can take that home and get used to taking instructions to, to a spiritual authority before you try to exercise spiritual authority over somebody else. What did the Roman centurion say? Jesus, speak the word only because I also am a man under authority. Okay? I am under authority. So he defined himself first by the authority that he submitted to, not by who he could tell, come, go, and do this. And what I'm, why headship falls down is people want to tell other people, come, go, and do this, but they're not ready to be under nobody else's authority. And that's why it doesn't work. That's why you got to teach this stuff first before you start telling people you the head. You don't even know what it means. All right? So that's number two. Now go back to my list, John. Number three on my list is... Number three on my list is management of your physical body. Management of your physical body. Ephesians 5, 28 through 29. It says, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. So he's saying, God is saying, before I'm going to give you a the body of a wife to take care of, why don't you take care of the body that I already gave you? Now, um, I have this, I copied some notes out of my, out of one of my journals. Um, and I was, I was, uh, actually it was uh, back in 2008, um, about the time that I was talking to the Lord and was praying about Nedra and so on, actually, if you really want to know the truth. And I was asking the Lord for marriage and how, I, Lord, I want a hundredfold wife. Because I had found scriptures that said, you know, you can have 30, 60, but there is a hundredfold. And I, and I found it. I'll, I'll show you that when I come to it in the scripture. I'll show you how Peter, Peter believed God for the hundredfold in his marriage. And, uh, because I want people to go, hallelujah. And that's what I was asking God for. But then the Lord said to me, you have no right to ask me for a hundredfold wife and then neglect the health and fitness regimen along with the financial wisdom to provide for her and her children, leaving me to clean up your mess as the father to the fatherless and the husband to the widow. So, dude, you, you, you want a hundredfold wife, you need to get in the gym and stay here and take care of her. Now, if you jack it up, I'll be the husband, you know, to the widow and the father to the fatherless. But don't just jack it up and throw it away when the Bible clearly says that you're supposed to nourish and cherish your own body as, as a seed to taking care of her. African-American men are notorious for not going to doctors because we think that faith is just ignoring situations until they get so bad 
that we need three miracles to just get us back to even when you could have crushed the acorn before you had to cut down the oak tree. So I'm telling you, getting in the gym, go to the doctors, keep all your stuff, don't ignore situations. Don't call yourself a man of faith because you just won't open your eyes and look at what's going on. I'm just believing for God to heal me. I'm not against healing. I believe in laying on our hands. I believe in all of that. But some stuff we let just go too long, and then now we throw on Hail Mary passes at heaven. Just throwing something up, hoping to stick. When we could have cut it off, okay, you got to take care of your physical body. The Lord was like, listen, it's not even right. It's not even right. Okay, and that's a big deal. Because you, listen, listen. Um, Abraham outlived Sarah. Isaac outlived Rebecca. Jacob outlived Rachel and Leah. <laughs> I'm just saying, the blessing of Abraham, the men supposed to not just be leaving a bunch of widows around for God to take care of. Now, you can believe what you want to, but I see it in the scripture, and I want it, but I got to put works with my faith if it's going to work for me. Okay? I'm telling you, we're going to have to do something here, and that's all a part of the grace to be married. The part, one part of the grace to be married is to take care of your body so you can be here. Now, we can all have problems. I know that, right? Lazarus was a good man. He loved God, but he was sick. I'm not talking about that, but some, some stuff, we make ourselves sick, right? And we're not willing to start trying to put some stewardship in place. Now, I'm, I'm starting later than what God told me, but I'm doing something, right? Even my doctors are saying, you done made some real change this year. Praise God. Hallelujah. My doctors are saying, what you, whatever you've been doing, keep doing it. I'm not ignoring situations. When that stuff is happening, I'm going and getting it checked out. Not calling it faith because I just close my eyes and refuse to stick my head in the sand and hope God take care of it because I don't want to look at it. Right? Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. All right. <laughs> All right, so that was number three. Number four is career management. Yeah. Before Adam was given Eve, he was given an assignment. And he had developed that assignment to a level of productivity such that he could take care of him, her, and all those that he was fruitful and multiplied. All right? Proverbs 24, 27. One of my favorite single man scriptures. Prepare your work outside. Make it fit for yourself in the field and afterward build your house. As I like to say uh, when I'm talking to single men, work comes before women, before woman in God's dictionary purpose. In Webster's, the word woman comes before the word work. But when you're a single man, work comes before woman. In other words, God wants you to be clear about what assignment 
you have before you say, if you don't know what you're doing, why do you need help? You don't need to help me. Why is that so important? Because I've seen too many times. Now, listen, listen. I know there's ups and downs in careers and all of that. So please don't hear what I didn't say. But I know too many times where um, highly ambitious, goal-oriented women, married men that just are glad to get up and go to bed every night. And then she is all like hot and bothered. Like, I want to see progress in my life. I want things to move. And bro, man, he just glad to just be, he, he, just, he just winging it. Okay? And that's a struggle. Listen, I call that desperate Christian housewives. <laughs> Abigail had a husband, Nabal, and she said, my husband is a fool. I ain't looking at nobody, so don't nobody think I'm pointing at them. I'm just saying, you got to have a plan. And, and I'm, I'm working when I'm dealing with youth ministry. I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with all my young people about having a plan, but I'm specifically dealing with my young man. Man, you got to have a plan, man. Do you have a plan? Is it written down? Are you making movement towards it? It doesn't have to be perfect, but you should be making movement. Okay? And um, <clears throat> don't wait till you out of high school to start. Because you you're a little, I'm not saying you're too late, but you're definitely not on time. Right? So you need to be talking to your young people about here's the vision. You know, my statement is you ought to be saved and spirit-filled by five and have a clear, at least a, a Holy Spirit picture of your, of your vision for life between 12 and 17. And between 17 and 30, I'm looking at, like, this is the David, the Daniel, the Timothy examples, right? By five, they knew the Bible, by 12, Jesus was going in the temple. He knew scripture and was answering and asking questions. Between 12 and 17 is when David slew Goliath and when Joseph began to have his dreams. Between 17 and 30, you know, by 30, if we do this thing right, by the time you get to 30, man, you're almost a superman. Ain't too much you can't do because you're clear about what God has called you to do. And you've been working on it for years. Okay, career management. Second Thessalonians 3, 10 through 12 says, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. But we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Not now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. Apostle Paul said, he said, even though I could just be a preacher and live off of what you do, I'm working right beside you because I think you need the example because some of y'all brothers are lazy. That's the King David version. But that's exactly what he was saying there. Okay, make sure you got a plan. Now, there are cultures, um, particularly some of the African cultures and so on, where the women out hustle the men. I don't think that's biblical. 
That might not make me popular on the mission field, but when I read the Bible, I just don't, I don't see, I don't see that's how that works, okay? All right. Um, God wants you to, to have some clarity about your assignment because that's, you need that, and then he can send help to you. All right. The fifth one is financial stewardship, and there's two scriptures here that I want to give you on that. Proverbs 31.10 says, who can find a virtuous wife or virtuous woman for her her worth, her price in the King James is far above rubies. All right. Now let's look at Luke 16, 11, And it says, therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? So my statement is, is that your wife is true wealth. That was one of my statements about, about Nedra as a wife, that she has been to me wealth. My stock went up, my, my credit got better, and I got way more cash in the bank than I did before I got married. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Okay, um, but I want to make sure when I'm dealing with young single people, particularly, man, come on, man. Don't just make a lot of money and blow it. I mean, in the Bible days, you had to come, you couldn't even talk to a woman if you couldn't come in with a dowry. That means you had to have some cash, man. That's David, man. That's too hard. I know there's some grace and truth in this. I'm, there's some grace in it, but I'm just saying you should be thinking that one of the ways that I'm preparing for my future relationship is I'm storing wealth for, for my future. Or I like to say it this way. This is the way the Lord told me when I was single. He said, a man's hope chest should be bigger than a woman's. Now, a woman... Oh, oh, naturally will have a bunch of stuff. She's, she has, you know what a hope chest is? Brothers are like, what's a hope chest? A hope chest. <laughs> women, <laughs> a hope chest is things that women store up believing for the day that they'll be married. And the Lord said to me, husband loved their wife as Christ loved the church. When I came to Jesus, his hope chest was bigger than mine. In my father's house of many mansions, I have prepared a place for you. I didn't have much to give him. He had a whole lot to give me. So if I love her as Christ loved the church, I'm just saying my stuff should be better than hers. Now, is, am I saying everybody got to be perfect? No, in Jesus' name. But I'm just saying my mindset should be I'm going to work on my financial management. Because... These are the things that cause marriage to go into the ditch. And I can solve a lot of my problems before I get there if I do the right kind of preparation that God has for me. Does that make sense? That, that doesn't mean you got to be perfect, but I'm just saying this is an area that if you spend time on this and putting that together, right? God grades how you handle your finances to determine if you're ready for the true wealth of a wife. I was, now, for me, that was a real revelation. I don't know if that did anything for you, but I was single. I was like, bro, I got to go back to the drawing board. Okay. Um, yeah, that's enough revelation on that. Add some more stuff. I'll give you some more on that next week. Um, now, now I did a lot of the truth part, but let me give you the grace part. Go on to the next one. 
All right, this is the lady waiting for the perfect man, okay? I'll let y'all see that picture. <laughs> okay, so Pastor David, now why are you, why are you after all it is, I want to make sure that the truth comes with the grace part. I'm not saying all of those things got to be perfect in one person to marry in Jesus' name. That wasn't true for me. Um, in fact, in fact, uh, uh, both Lady Nedra and uh, my principal father in the faith said, man, okay, I know you're trying to get it all together. Because, see, I, you know, this, this kind of insight that I had now, I had then, and I was like, I'm, I got to get all of this together. And, and Bishop was like, David, 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 come here, come here, boy. Okay. You know you still need help, right? That's why God is sending you a help me. You, you don't, you, you can't be 100% perfect and think you're going to get it all together. I just, I want, some people, they just think they can just, you know, and they live happily ever after the end without actually doing something. And then on the other side, there were some of us, present company included, that was trying to get it all our I's dotted and T's crossed. All right? Do you see the grace and truth part that has to be in this? We want to make sure that you are clear as you think through um, your own situations. If you're a single person believing to get married, okay, you know, God wants me to have some of these. He wants me to be working on myself, developing myself, enjoying myself to prepare for the next phase. But he also wants me, you know, if he's got somebody in my life, don't just wait for everything to get 100%, you know, perfect because you can still have a perfect marriage with imperfect people because the grace factor. Somebody say amen. For those that were watching on the web, I pray that you um, enjoy this message that we share today. Uh, these are a lot of my real heartfelt uh, things that the Lord really shared with me about um, marriage and preparation and so on. We are believing God that as we minister this in our congregation that we're going to see lives and marriages change and that um, our marriages and our families will be strong and that through that strength we'll have a strong church and through our the strength of our church we'll have a strong community because we are really raising up lives and changing them through the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ it is our prayer that that same light is affecting you as well so please, if this message is, is touching you, if it's challenging you, if it's transforming you, um, there's information there um, that they shared about how you can contact us. And certainly you can sow into the word, um, but we'd really love your testimonies. Uh, we'd love to come alongside you. Um, we're developing a prayer ministry in place to um, to, to set ourselves in agreement with you. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for your homes and for your families and for your marriage. And we're believing God that, um, that we don't have to sit around and tell people out there that want to do alternative things. Um, I don't have to, to, to curse the dark, darkness. All I have to do is turn on the light. And the light of revelation and the light of the marriages that are changed will... will cause people to see that there's something different about us because we have truly sanctified our marriages through the word of God and prayer and receive 
this great gift that God has given us with the thanksgiving that it deserves, right? Now, I also want to challenge you, um, the men that are out there, that this Saturday is our Men of Destiny Prayer. Uh, we talked some to, today about prayer. So here at Destiny Generation Church at uh, 1011 Hammond Avenue in the city of Flint, from 9 to 11, we have prayer um, this Saturday, the second and fourth Saturdays. We'd love for you to come to be a part of it. Uh, we'll talk about prayer. We, we actually have open mic, so the brothers really are comfortable. We just try to share and get used to opening ourselves up to God and having him commune with us such that you can take that prayer power back to your own house and be effective in leading your family in prayer. I want to be your man of God. I want to empower you to achieve the destiny that God has for you and help you find the destiny path for your life. Come here and uh, visit us and give us a chance to do that. We're continuing on in our series on Sundays on um, destined to increase. So I'm talking to you about the increase that God has for you in 2018. Please uh, take the time to, to utilize the information there. Sow a seed into what we've done. Please send us an amen or a like or something that lets us know who you are and where you're watching us from. And please, if the word is a blessing to you, would you share it with people that are uh, in your Facebook friends and circle of influence so that we can spread the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. All right? God bless you. See you next week.